and open it to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Um, two weeks ago when I was uh, speaking for Risen, I was asked to preach on James 4. I'd never been asked to guest preach with a passage that was a rebuke. <laughs> right, so uh, I was asked to basically come in, like throw a grenade in there and then leave. Um, but it, it was a really good, encouraging text. And then uh, when I preached at Delray this morning, uh, I asked Matt why I should preach, and he said, preach your best sermon. Uh, and I don't know how to evaluate that, and only one of you responded to my email. So I, I just went with the same one that I preached last Sunday. Um, so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage here for the sake of time. I'm just going to read one verse, and I'll pray, and then I'll try to do like as much of an overview as I can with the time that we got. So we'll spend about 10 to 12 minutes on this. Let me read you James chapter 4, verse 6. It says, But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Lord, pray tonight that as we uh, go into our week that we would be encouraged as we think about the grace that we find in your blood, even meditate on the Passover this morning. Pray, Lord, tonight as we listen to James' exhortation about submitting ourselves to God that we would heed it. Help us to be humble so you would exalt us. We can only do this by your help. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, Dr. Phil is right. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. James is writing to a Christian community where it seems like everyone is angry at one another. They're up in arms, they're divided. And James, here in James chapter 4, is identifying the primary problem, not with someone else, not even in kind of the situation at large, but actually with the hearts of the people that are in disagreement, the people that are in conflict. And his point is that the outward kind of conflict that you see around communities is actually indicative of an inner reality. It's actually indicative of an inner reality. And we can relate to this all the time. We go through different conflicts, whether it's, not, it's your church life or your family life or your workplace. It seems like petty disagreements exist everywhere. Right? And, and what James is saying is before you point the finger at someone else, that you first recognize that there are three fingers pointing back at yourself. Right? And so this is going to be a main idea for us tonight. Submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves to God. You can see that right there in verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Uh, that's what James wants us to do. And there are kind of three steps in kind of James's rebuke and exhortation. Number one, see. Number two, submit. And number three, stop. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Three things that James wants us to do tonight. See, submit, stop. See your evil desires, submit to God, and stop slander. Okay, so see your evil desires, submit to God, stop slander. Let's look at number one here. See your evil desires. Let me read to you from verses one through five. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. 
You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Are you, or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says, the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely. Envies intensely. Uh, you can see here a couple things that James is pointing out. The first thing that he does is he looks at the violence that, that is occurring in the Christian community and he's identifying it, not primarily in the circumstance, not even primarily amongst kind of what other people around you are doing, but your own heart. That That's not what's outside that defiles us, but primarily what's inside. Jesus himself talks about this in Matthew 15, right? That's not what comes into your mouth that defiles you, but what comes out. And, and you can see that kind of happening in disagreements all the time. You, you think that, that your own forgiveness is kind of contingent on what other people think, or, or you tunnel vision on, on the sin that someone else committed against you. And what James is trying to do is get us to, to zoom into our own hearts and identify the problem, not primarily with another person or a circumstance, but with ourselves. And he says that the reason why we disobey and we, we have conflict is because we lack. He actually puts the reason why we beef with other brothers and sisters in Christ with dissatisfaction. With dissatisfaction. Kind of like a child when you tell them no and they throw a tantrum, right? When they don't get what they want. That, that what we do is when, when we have a vacuum in our own hearts, we lash out like a five-year-old having a tantrum. We react poorly. And the reason isn't primarily because we just have anger, but in terms of what James is seeing here in, in verses one through five, it comes from a place of envy, a place of envy. You see, envy is a sign of spiritual malnutrition. It's indicative of spiritual malnutrition. You know, we believe that God is, is infinite, all-loving, all-powerful, and he's a generous God, right? He gives to all of us. He knows our needs before we even ask of him. And what James is saying is that when you're envious, when you covet what someone else has, when you desire things that are sinful, that what you're doing in your jealousy is completely counter to God's very nature. You look at everything that God provides for you and you're saying that's not enough. And the irony is that God is infinitely valuable. And you don't ask God because you're so tunnel vision on what you want. So you drop your own plans. You have your own little kind of five-step strategy for success to achieve what, what you want. And by the time you, you remember that you're supposed to pray, you, you treat God like a genie in the bottle, right? As a means to kind of get what, what you want, right? I'm sure we've all done this. You, you tunnel vision on the thing that, that you desire and you pray and you ask God, like, can you, can you just get me this thing that I want? It can even be a good thing, right? You could desire genuinely good things. But when you elevate them from good things to the position where God needs to be, what James says here in verse 3 is that God doesn't answer your prayer. And the reason why James, why God doesn't answer your prayers when you ask God to provide that selfish thing for you is because your prayer stinks. 
Your prayer stinks. When you give God stinky prayers, when you go to him kind of expecting him to accomplish your plans and your goals and, and what you dream of, then God loves you too much to say yes to you. Part of loving someone involves saying no. And what God does in response to our kind of selfish black hole of desire is he says no. But he cares for us too much. And, and that's why James primarily identifies our conflict with idolatry. With idolatry. You see, when we idolize something, when we fixate ourselves on lesser goods, right? Things that might be genuinely good but aren't God and we begin to idolize those things, then it creates a vacuum in our hearts because we lack the thing that we want, that satisfaction. And that lack creates angst inside of us and that overwhelms and overflows into conflict with other people. Right? I'm sure we've all felt that. When, when you feel angst inside of yourself, brewing, pressure, and sometimes it feels like, like you're having an out-of-body experience when, when you beef with other people that you know that you love. And that's exactly what James is trying to identify here. You see, when you identify yourself with an idol, you put that idol's jersey on, right? You're on that idol's team. We partner all the time with people that share our values and our goals. And when your priority becomes something that isn't God, Right? When you prioritize maybe your own dreams for this church or your preferences or, or your five-year plan, what happens is when you see other people that are also idolizing other things, you begin to see them as competition instead of brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a reason why the Israelites kept bickering with Moses all the time. It's because the Israelites kept switching teams. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, receives the Ten Commandments. He comes down, and they're worshiping a golden cow, right? And he keeps calling them out on their sin. You see, if, if you have beef with another brother or sister in Christ, it's probably a good sign that you're worshiping a golden calf and not the living God. And that's why James uses that word adulteresses here when calling us out. That God's our husband. And that when we look towards other things, that God actually gets jealous because we're violating a covenant relationship the same way that a spouse gets upset in the face of their other spouse's adultery, right? And so, so James is calling us to go back to the Lord. And that's why you can see his second command here, to submit yourself to God, to submit yourself to God. Verse six, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will exalt you. It's interesting that James kind of quotes Proverbs here, that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Because on, on one end, it's an absolute rebuke. right? If you're stiff-necked, if you're proud, if you think that you know kind of the right thing to do and you fixate on that and you idolize and you tunnel vision, what James is saying is that the almighty God with all of his omnipotence, his infinite power is completely opposed to you. 
And just to be frank, if you're going to try to... If you're going to try to succeed God in the pecking order of power, you're about to get crushed. On the other end, you see a promise here, a promise of grace. That if you're humble, that God will give you grace. That he'll care for you. That's why James's primary solution to relational conflict here in, in chapter 4 is to submit yourself to God. To actually view yourself not in light of the other people that might have violated your feelings or your preference, but in light of a God that you have sinned against. That you deserve eternal condemnation for. He wants you to wash your hands and purify your hearts. To grieve, to mourn, and to wail. To, to not just take kind of disagreements or conflict or idolatrous desires and just sweep it under the rug. But to take the time to address it. To repent of it. To submit yourself to God. And that idea of submission means that you need to give up your preferences. Otherwise, you would never have to submit. But what God calls us to do tonight is to give up what we desire and to humble ourselves. And the promise is when you do that, when you draw near to God, when you let go of what you want and accept what God wants, he will draw near to you. That even Satan that delights in us resisting other brothers and sisters in Christ, when we humble ourselves and go before the Lord and we resist Satan's temptations towards division, that Satan has no other option but to run in terror because of our obedience to God. See, humility is kind of like roots of a tree. The deeper you go, the higher you can grow. That's what, that's what James wants for us. And, and then it makes sense why he, he connects the submission that we have with God with stopping slander with brothers and sisters in Christ. So, so that's point number three, to stop slander. Let's look at verse 11. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? See, when you've humbled yourself before the Lord, when God's holiness exposes your own sin, your own selfish desires, your own idolatry, and you see grace applied to you on the cross, how could you possibly slander another brother or sister in Christ, right? This verse is not talking about avoiding confrontation over sin. Like if someone sinned against you, you should absolutely confront that, right? Like Matthew 7 talks about that. 1 Corinthians 5 talks about that. We talk about that all the time, right? It's part of our DNA. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to assume that you know that. What James is talking about here in, in James chapter 4 is about slander, Right? Conversations with other people about other people. Right? In a way that's not helpful, necessary, or edifying. And, and let's be frank. We love to spill the tea, don't we? Right? It, it, sometimes it's just automatic. It's just honey flows out of our, our mouths. Right? Some juicy details about how someone is doing. And, and what James is saying here when he's telling us to stop slander. Part of the reason why slander is so insidious. It's because slander elevates ourselves over other people. 
it elevates ourselves over other people. Like, have you ever wondered why Jersey Shore was so popular? Right? Or, or why people watch like Keeping Up with the Kardashians or other kind of trashy reality TV? For me, it was Big Brother. Right? Uh, it, it's not because anyone aspires to be like them. Right? We know people that aspire to be like them. They're, they're in a very small minority. The reason why reality TV shows like that are so popular is because we love to judge them. We love to judge them. You look, at, you look at the idiots on Jersey Shore, and as you laugh about them, as you talk to your friends about what you saw in the previous week, and you look down on them, you start to feel a little better about yourself. That's why they're there. They're social pinatas for you to be down on. And it's easy to look at people that are so unabashedly idiotic and lavish and, and look at them in the light of their self-centeredness and laugh about them. And the irony that James is pointing out here is that when you slander other brothers and sisters in Christ, that's precisely the thing that makes you worse than them. That if you judge them using the law, that you're actually worthy of more criticism than they, than they are. That's precisely why God hates hypocrisy so much. When you use the law as a club to beat other people that God loves, you are doing the exact opposite of what God wants you to do. See, Christians, we're, we're called to be repentant hypocrites, right? We're called to be repentant hypocrites. And what God wants us to do, instead of being arrogant, slanderous, and conflict avoidant, is to be humble, gracious, and direct, right? This is precisely why in Matthew 7, Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. What, what James is zooming in on isn't necessarily conflict avoidance, but rather the heart disposition that we're supposed to have. That when you really view yourself in light of the grace that God has given you in Christ, that, that you can possibly say a negative word about another person who's received grace too. Right? We, we, think, we sing hymns that talk about the dying thief that rejoiced to see the fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. We're no better than the next guy. And when you understand that, and when God gives you grace, that grace then can overflow into your care for other people. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would help us to obey James 4, to be gracious in our speech, to, to stop slander with one another, to be proactive in stopping false criticisms or defamation. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to be humble. We want to be exalted. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to receive grace through our humility. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.